Welcome to the Winning Move Podcast. I'm your host, Stratton Brown. I interview successful entrepreneurs from around the world to see what moves they've made in their lives to get successful and more importantly, stay successful. I'm here to make sure you can create a better life for you and your family. Let's tune in. Welcome to the Winning Move Podcast. I got my boy T Sums on today. It's going to be an awesome day. He's an awesome entrepreneur and investor. What, hold up. I, I got to read off your pedigree. $50 million oh, single man. family portfolio. Um, owner of one of the most iconic gyms in the country, the Pros Gym. The single family That's king. Right. What else? Rap extraordinaire. Oh! Uh, what else do I got for I've lived like nine lives. It's crazy, man. Oh, man. Uh, I just, I like, I like, I, I, I appreciate it, man. You know, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was 50 million before all these rate hikes, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm taking everything in stride, man. You know, I'm, uh, I'm excited for, uh, what's to come. I mean, I got started in the real estate business when there was a similar time and situation. So, uh, if history repeats itself, which it generally does, we should be excited, not fearful. All right, bro. What, what do you think is going to happen? That's what I'd like to hear. Um, you know, I, I, you, you got to look to the past, right? So, you know, it, we were in a similar situation pre uh, us being born back in the late seventies, early eighties. And back then they were fighting inflation by hiking rates, hiking rates, hiking rates. And, you know, eventually they got there, but you know, we didn't have as much debt back then either as a country, you know, people didn't live on credit cards. People were more cash. Um, but now you're seeing consumer debt rise. You're seeing, um, you know, I'm seeing a lot more people pay rent on credit cards than I ever had before. Um, so, and I get a very small, yeah. I mean, however you can get it that month, it's, we'll, we'll take it. Um, so how, so, I mean, you're, you're what's the process you use to take it? You, you have a fucking Stripe account? We'll, we'll take whatever, man. <laughs> so we, they can like literally log on to their portal. And then they can pay with an ACH. They can pay automatic payment. They can pay with, uh, I think we take Bitcoin now. Uh, but if you, you want to do Bitcoin, you got to call in the office, which no one does, of course. Uh, but if you want to pay with a credit card and then you got to pay the fee, but we can do credit card, whatever you got, we'll take it. Really? Um, so you've seen more credit cards than ever? More credit cards than ever. Um, but yeah, and, and then also too, um, you know, the, the stock market, the Fed, they're telling us what's going to happen. They're, they're, they're saying it every day, right? They're saying, hey, we're going to hike rates to, you know, four and a half, you know, four and three quarter percent. That's going to be the base rate. So, you you know, banks are going to make their spread from there. So we know that rates are going to be sevens, eights, um, you know, for foreseeable future. Um, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of these small business owners break, um, especially in the real estate space where, they bought, they were buying with the anticipation of getting debt at 4% or 3%. And I think you're just going to see a lot of small business owners go out of business, which is really unfortunate, right? Uh, the rich, the, the ultra super wealthy get wealthier and the people trying to make it, you know, because if they get over leveraged, they go out of business. But you're going to see, you're going to see some shit break. I see, I see a lot of those syndicators going down hard, bro. I, you know, I, it just seems like, and I'm not knocking it, right? I'm not knocking it, but um, you know, the people that get over leveraged that think that they're going to go out and get this three or four percent debt, and then projects ran over, timelines that weren't met, you know, um, and then you've chunked this deal up a bunch of different times with a bunch of different investors. People are going to start demanding their money back. I, I just, and again, if you're a good operator, you structure things correctly. Yeah, you're going to be good, like any business, right? But if you took a little bit too much risk, a little too late. Those are the people that are that you're going to see fall out, and it's it's unfortunate, but I mean it, it. It is what it is. Bro, I had a dude ask me if I was over leveraged, and I was like, "How? Like we don't have like a massive real estate portfolio, and nothing's like collateralized either. To where like there's not a whole lot that could make it happen. We're buying a storage facility at one percent interest. Like that's Hold not one percent. One percent, bro. How, okay, you got to run me through that, man. Um. So what? What we did, we weren't getting a ton of leads cold calling and so uh, storage facilities. And so we have a VA going through on Google Earth looking for all the storage facilities on the West Coast and trying to pull whatever they can out of PropStream. 
And okay. so then from there, they skip trace it. Then we have a really, really good cold caller who we've trained who cold calls them. So she sends in a couple leads a week. We talk to him. He was like, yeah, I'd be open to carrying the note. I just foreclosed on a guy. Um, I'd carry the note again. I just want a certain amount down. I was like, okay, that's fine. He's like, how much do you want? He wanted a million. I was like, I can't do a million. Um, and same thing. If you want your price, I need my terms. And so essentially it's a million dollar purchase amortized over 15 years with a 10 year balloon at 1% interest. And it's a fucking bank. <laughs> Even like I, I love balloon is um like we've paid down so much debt to where it'll be a fucking banger at the end of it too that's amazing man i see i and that's you being creative right and it, yeah. when the world starts to break when everyone else is trying to do business very traditionally you have to do business untraditionally which that's an untraditional way of doing that deal and it, that's a win-win man i mean that's right, a, so, that's bro, a he gets 350 deal. down i mean because i on nine hundred thousand dollar purchase i think that's like a 30 to 40 percent down but i was like i don't care like we can go raise that cash. It'll still cash flow really good because we put a large sum down. Where else are we going to go get an interest rate like that? And even yeah. like if we stabilize it right now, um, I we think it's worth like 1.3 to 1.4. So we bought it at 80% the way it is at a 1%. Yeah. yeah. It's if amazing, we, man. Right? If we do the things that we're supposed to do, right? Obviously. I mean, it's like 20% occupied. But like all those things to where I think that makes it really cool. Um, but like man, and I, that's what you got to do. I was uh, I was on a call. Uh, it was a, a call with Patrick Bet David. It was one of okay. his real estate calls, and um, so I was on there, and they, they they called on me, and I was, Man, they're calling on me. All right, cool. Um, and they're like, you know, what advice do you have to give for, uh, you know, newer investors, younger investors, or just anyone looking to get through this time and to be able to succeed through this time? And I was like, well. If you look back in history, back in the 70s and 80s, what did people do? Instead of going to the bank to get financing, they were financing with each other. Yep. People were saying, hey, you know what? Instead of going to the bank and getting a 16% loan, say, well, I'll finance you at 12%. This is how much money I need. Then I'll carry the note. And everyone was just carrying notes with each other. Exactly. We're going to get back. We're going to get back to that, 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 that type of uh, environment. And so the, the sooner that we start to learn that, Dude, it, it, it's going to make you so much more successful as an investor, whether you're buying or if you're just a home buyer, real estate, business trans. People do this in business transactions constantly. I mean, oh, mastermind we're in, dude, that's how they buy businesses. They're like, I can't, have, bank's not going to loan me on this, but say what, I'll give you the 30% down. You're going to carry this. I'm going to cash you out in three to four years or five or 10 or whatever the number is, you know? And then ultimately, if you want the greatest amount out of that sale, and guess what? You're you're getting the most amount by allowing those interest payments to accrue, and then you get a larger sum as the seller at the end of it. So I mean, it can all it can be a real win win for everybody, man. But we got to get back to not doing cash transactions, being a little bit more creative. And I I know at least for my sales team, like this is something like they, they've never done this before, and so it, I'm like coaching all this stuff from scratch. Okay. Um, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta teach these people almost how to be like deal architects. You're like, well, I don't know how much money it's to get down. I don't get completely different. Like it's a completely different game and way to think about things. It is. And you know, with these guys I, that now they get it and people weren't receptive to, to this. I would even say 30 days ago, uh, we're, we're clipping our first, well, actually, uh, five different deals. We're wholesaling two of them. We're going to keep three of them. Uh, but on the wholesale, it basically pays for our other three properties on Are seller you staying finance in the middle of those just so you can make that seller feel secure. Like, I don't know if you know Tang win, but like if you ever yeah, signed an order finance deal, he was like, bro, I mm -hmm. will keep a 1% equity interest. I'm not going to make any money, but that way I can know I can keep that seller secure. If that buyer ever messes up on us, I can make sure that seller's taken care of. You know what I'm mm, saying? That's a good, that's a good idea. I've never thought of that. Tang's a solid dude, man. Um, he's just, he, you know, full of integrity. Um, I've never thought about that. That's interesting. Never right, thought about that. I was like, that. yeah, if we are like going to assign like these creative deals, this is a rapport game as far as the creative stuff goes. Like this isn't just like a one-off transaction. This is us in a relationship for 10 years, 15 years, five years, whatever it is. Oh, and so sure. if I am going to assign it just so I have the seller's best interest in mind, that way we can uh, make sure everything's taken care of. For sure. For sure. No, I like that, man. Um, I've just, I've never thought about doing that. 
and quite frankly, I've, uh, you know, we I've never really thought about wholesaling seller finance deals. So right. I, I've got a small community of real estate investors, uh, I think right around like 50 guys and girls. And we've been talking a lot about lease options, seller finance, carrybacks, all these different creative ways of doing business and being able to stay in business. And you know, the amount of people that would pay a $20,000 wholesale fee to be able to get a 4% rate, because they're going to go to the bank and get seven. Like if right. I can get four, yeah, I'll, yeah, 20K, be glad to pay you that. So exactly. Um, I, I just, I, I think it's a huge area of opportunity. Uh, we just need to get sellers on board with the new reality of doing business. And older people or people in rural communities, they get this. They get it. Right. Everything's bought. They've getting, they, they, the only way they can buy and sell is on land contracts and lease options and, you know, seller finance. That's the only way they can do business. So, you know, we just got to get these city folk on board with this stuff and these major metros. And, uh, I, you know, but you, if you find a deal, un, un, if you get a deal under contract that's undervalued, there you're always going to be in business, right? So, I, you know, I, I just think there's, it's going to be a huge area of opportunity, man. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to coach up my guys to be able to take advantage of it. I would love to own a lot of properties at 4 3% debt, you know, wait till the Fed breaks the economy, can refinance those in five years, 10 years, same way that you're doing with that, with yeah. that big deal. Um. How are you training your team? What are you doing differently? And like, how are you making them? Because a lot of people don't get creative finance. Even like investors we know don't quite grasp the concept. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, number one, this is the obvious answer. It comes down to sales training. Um, yeah. And the big buzzword 12 months ago was automation. Uh, you got to automate your business. You know, you got to exit your business. Who wants to be stuck in the middle of their business? And where people are, are going to lose it is... You can't automate in a bear market. You have to work, right? You have to be in the middle of it. You have to just put your head down. You got to cut your expenses. You got to figure shit out. So, you know, we're sales training. Uh, I mean, I, I would sales train maybe once a week with my team 12 months ago. I mean, we're sa we're sales training, role playing. Um, you know, we do, a, we do a, a podcast every Wednesday. We'll do dinner after that. And all we do is role play. Just with, that. you know, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Jones. But we do it in an environment, you know, we'll go out to dinner or whatever, um, you know, maybe have some drinks, get loosened up. And that, and that way, like, you know, when we role play, they can take that back into a more structured environment um, mm. where they're going to thrive. But it's just constant sales training, man. And then them understanding exactly what the seller needs. So then that way we can create a situation where they understand it and they can make more money off of it. And one of the big uh, one of the big things that we're saying in the sales presentation, too is listen you have this property and for most people this property is their only investment so they want to milk it for all it's worth and so one of the things we always say is listen i don't want to milk this property from you i want to milk it with you so i want to help you to be able to make more money off of this property than if you were to sell it on your own or sell it cash or put it on the market i want to be able to help you to get more money out of this thing than what you were going to otherwise now you're on the same team now it's we, exactly. it's us, it's not you, it's not I, it's not combative. It's, you know, now we're together. Now we're a unit. Exactly. Well, exactly. Now you're helping, what, not selling. What do you need? I, my goal is to buy this, and my goal is for you to make a ton of money. How can we make this happen? I just need the right terms. That's what, that's that's essentially all it takes. <laughs> it, it is, right? But you, you know how hard that, that sentence that you just said is for a lot of salespeople to say? Yeah, I guess a lot of, I've never considered myself a salesman, you know, I guess it's like, yeah, let's make some I mean, you're, you're, But you're a natural though. You're a natural and you're not afraid to ask, you know, most, most, especially younger, younger salespeople are just afraid to just be transparent, open and honest, which is the number one thing we should all be doing as exactly. salespeople or help people or whatever. It's just, Hey, this is what it is. Pros and cons. Boom, boom, boom. You know, and you got to get dig into the emotions, get people energized about what they're going to do after the sale and all that types of stuff. But really what it boils down to is you're just trying to help people, you know, and if people know that you're genuine, you're trying to help them. You're not some some sleaze bucket. Like exactly. people feel that, man. People feel that. It's energies, man. You got good energy, no, good intentions. Energy. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to make some work. Listen, our company is in the business to make a profit, you know, but I also need you to make a profit as well. And I want you to make a profit. And I want my goal is to try to get you out of this property with as much as I possibly can. And well, a deal is a deal. And I got this from um, 
this guy in a storage mastermind we were a part of, he was like, bro, don't negotiate, don't negotiate yourself out of a deal. If a deal is a deal, take the deal and move on. Do another deal. Yeah. Right. If the deal makes sense, bro, it doesn't have to be a rip every single deal, bro. Get it done. Agreed. Agreed. I think the issue that we're running into now is real estate's kind of on this falling knife and we don't know how far it's going to go. We don't know where it's going to end. I mean, you got markets like Dallas, Houston that are down 20%. Bro, you I mean, it's my market. Slaughtered. Is it? Utah's getting slaughtered. I mean, it was so high, though. I mean, it was like that, Boise, Phoenix. Yeah. Um, Vegas. I mean, it's kind of the same, the same story, right? You get all the San Francisco money that's moving out there because it's, well, great. And, well, interest rates go up a bunch and... Now people can't afford it. Ah, man. I, you know what? I think when I first got in this business, I seen the amount of people that lost homes that were, you know, could, couldn't couldn't buy, lost businesses. My father, uh, you know, I, I remember him in 2009, you know, uh, he was a contractor. And, you know, he, he's, uh, he's a tough dude, but, you know, crying in the kitchen, you know, at this company went just decided not to pay him, you know because money money dried up right lines of credit shut down all these things happened and i wanted to build a business that was recession proof when times like this came yep. and so when i you know I, I would be ready i'd be prepared and you're never going to time the market but you can you can't have like you can't have these blindfolds on either you know you got to be you got to be real with the situation like no one, I mean, there's going to be people that come out the other side and absolutely crush it and kill it, but everyone was crushing it and killing it 12 months ago. Today, ain't nobody crushing and killing it. Let's just call it what it is. You know, people were trying to survive. And for my business model, I looked at what is the type of property that we buy? You know, you got your A, B, C, and D. I'm trying to stay in C and B class properties because what happens in a down market, all these A class people, they get humbled real quick. They move into B properties. These B-class people, they get humbled real quick. Where do they move? C properties. I don't do the D stuff, like, you know, stuff that's straight hood. It's just, you know, the older properties, you know, hard tenants. But I want to be in that B-C-class stuff because I can sell these to an owner-occupant. I can rent these. The bank loves to finance them. They cash flow. And, you know, I get appreciation as well. So I get, you make money off of real estate, you know, through the depreciation, the debt pay down, the appreciation, the tax advantages. I get all that stuff. And I'm kind of recession-proof in that I can exactly. sell these things to an owner-occupant at any time. All I got to do is get the tenant out. I can sell that property to a, to someone that's going to use it as a home, not as a rental. Bro, 100%. And I remember we were talking about it. I don't know the last time I saw you was. But you're like, I'm not doing Ds. I, did, I thought you were moving more into As, though. Like, you have some A-class properties, right? Or no? I got a few. Uh, like, my office building middle of downtown Columbus, literally steps from the courthouse and, um, the, uh, the state house, but, um, and it's kind of in our, our like historic, our main historic district. Um, you know, and then uh, I just bought a commercial building in the middle of downtown, right in the middle of all of our skyscrapers. Um, and then I've got a couple more, I've got like a, a nine unit. That's literally a big, beautiful brick nine unit. Um, and a couple other like single families that are, you know, in my market anyway, you know, 500,000, yeah. 700,000. But this is stuff I used to live in that I've house hacked. And uh -huh. I just, I, I, I've already sucked the money out. So it doesn't make sense to sell. So I want to ride that thing out for another 10 years. And then, you know, capture some equity when it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, look at all these A-class apartments that's being built across everywhere. I mean, even in Utah, I mean, there's cranes, right? Well, there were. I'm Brad, so even though there's a 20% dip, these apartments will be fine because there's still a massive housing shortage. I don't think there's going to be like a real estate crash because we're still so undersupplied that nothing is going to like absolutely implode the market. Foreclosures are not coming in a wave like they were before because there was no arms, right? Yes, we're going to have a significantly more amount just because the forbearances are finally starting to kick in. But are we going to see like an absolute bloodbath? I think... I don't think so. With the dudes who are doing deals, we'll see. Like those syndicators who are like anticipating going into like that 4% debt. Now the deal's blowing up probably like stuff like that. Yeah. We're going to be able to pick up more of those. But as far as like deal flow, deal flow, I don't, I don't see any writing on the wall. I just see it slowing down. 
I think it's slowing down prices, but you also have to understand this is something that happened in Columbus about three weeks ago. The, the, the big unknown right now is the hedge funds that have came in and bought pro swarms and swarms of properties in every city. Yeah. That's the big unknown. I can tell you, at least in my market, the rents, they're not going up anymore. Like they're because and a couple of factors. One, you got hedge funds that are like trying to get ahead of this thing. So they're just dropping the rents and they, they can do it. Yeah. They got more money than God. They can do it. You have um, newer investors that were banking on rental appreciation. That's not happening. And you have flippers. Okay. And anyone that says that they didn't get stuck with a few properties they were trying to flip is a damn liar. But exactly. you got these people that are trying to rent these properties, myself included at rates that, you know, just to be able to break even. So you're not losing money on some of your flips. So a combination of those things, I think the big unknown is going to be the hedge funds, what they decide to do, how, the, how much they've really taken of the market share. Um, number two, the smaller burr people that um, were banking on rent appreciation or bought wrong or bought at the absolute top that don't have enough liquidity to ride out these properties if they've got tenants that are moving. Um, I think those are the two biggest unknowns right now because back in... 20 and I'm going back to, I got in in 2010, I bought my first house and bought some more in 2011. But I just remember in like 2009, like no one was buying anything because there was no money. Like real investing in single family properties was like a dirty word. No one was doing that. They're like, Oh, everyone got burned by doing this. Then we realized with technology and management um, efficiencies, you can rent this stuff and be profitable with it. It can actually be an asset class, but Single family was not an asset class 10 years ago. So I, I just, I think that there's a couple unknowns that we don't know how large the effect's going to be yet. I don't, so, and I personally don't think single family becomes an asset class until you hit 30 houses. Like, it, you're losing money. You can't afford anything. One bad thing goes wrong. Cash flow gets eaten up. Like, there's, like, so many different variables to where it yeah, just takes you, more to hit some scale for it to be uh, fun. Now I'm talking about yeah. Like, yeah, like now you're not working for your tenants right now. Like, sure. You have a business I, that can operate. I would say in between, at least in my market and my rents and my values, the difference between there's a no man's land and it's between 40 to like 90 to a hundred units. That's no man's okay. land because with 40, you can manage everything with you and a VA or you get a property manager. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're, and they're actually going to treat you decently when you get 40 units. Um, but even the management company can't put full-time people in place until you get to right. 80, 90, 100 units because you don't have that much you don't have that much revenue. So mm -hmm. it's kind of that no man's land that you have to go out and achieve in order to have some efficiencies and some scale. But I mean, you know, it, there's something to be said too for you know my very first mentor. I think dude's got like 37 houses, and they're all paid off, free and clear. Rides around his pickup truck every day. Um, now he runs his business like an old school landlord. I go. I, I mean, I run mine like. A, I always ran my stuff like a business, even when I had one house. Um, but, you know, I think there's something to be said for those people that are out there that, you know, maybe just that want that 10 grand a month or that 20 or 30 grand a month. You know, hey, you get in this game, you put your head down for 15 years, get these suckers paid down or paid off, you know, and eventually you don't have to pay everything off. Maybe you take, you know, these 20 and say, hey, I've created enough equity to where these are going to stay paid off free and clear. I'm going to shift my debt over to these siphon out the cash and that way I've, I've got you know uh, a bankroll to be able to yeah. yeah to be able to fix stuff and you know you, you take your 20 30 grand a month and you know you live your life and for most people it's what they want I mean, um, but they'll again, say that that's they'll say that they want more man right but what what's wrong with that no nothing wrong with that right to where i have a friend of mine named michael zuber who's like all you need is four rentals and you'll be fine i was like bro you're gonna fucking bankrupt him like you got four <laughs> rentals, like you're gonna go bankrupt, dude. Like let let you gotta have enough. You gotta, happen. yeah, you gotta have another income. You definitely have to have another income until it becomes a real income. You know, until it um, becomes a real income and it, you can afford the roof, right? I mean, the roof goes out on a house. You gotta replace it. Shit, you gotta. Man, it, we had uh, we had a storm came by. I had six roofs go bad, and uh, I'm like, damn, man. And now my places are smaller. I mean, there's six, seven thousand dollar roofs. Um, 
but and I get them done cheaper with the contracting company that we have now. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we turn these things into inch, and they're like, "How much you want your rates to go up?" I'm like, "Damn, I'll take care of it." <laughs> you know, and just over over two year period, I'm like, "We're gonna jack this stuff up," and then I, you know, I just I don't want to deal with it. And I'm like, "Yeah, but it, that that sucks, right?" Yeah. But you, unless you have another income or enough coming in from this stuff. Now, that's another reason I don't like the D-class stuff either. You know, the amount of rent that you're going to get, if you're, you're talking eight, $900 stuff, $1,000 a month stuff, dude, the furnace is still the same amount in the $1,000 rental versus the $2,000 rental. The roof is still the same amount, no matter what square footage is. You know, so you don't have enough revenue to be able to carry all these CapEx items. So, I mean, it's another reason I stay out of D-class stuff. And it looks attractive on paper. But what really happens, you're, I mean, we're speaking the truth. Yeah, 100% the truth. Like, nobody anticipates, because my first rental was in a D-class area. I was like, bro, fuck no. Like, never again. Like, <laughs> me and my partner just decided, like, yeah, we're not doing it anymore. We will buy in B and A-class areas, and there will be primary, like, I'll break even on them, because I can, I can do that, and I'm just playing appreciation in the state of California. I have 100% faith. Fresno is growing. I can do that. It's a good asset. We make a couple hundred bucks a month, whatever. To me, that's breaking even. Let something happen. That cash flow replaces it, right? And then we mm-hmm. either put do that or put it on Airbnb. And that's all we're looking for. I don't want some D-class area house that I, oh, yeah, we cash flow $700 a month. Then a heroin addict lights that bitch on fire. And then we got to deal with a whole bunch of other bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's truth, man. I it's, Talking about the Airbnb stuff, um, I, I think it's like the new thing. And I think there's a large unknown that, people aren't taken into account. And uh, like I, I was with a guy yesterday, he basically owns a whole town, like a, a town. He owns like 69 commercial buildings in the middle of one small 30,000 person yeah. town. Um, and he's starting to do these short-term rentals and you got to furnish them. You can't finance the furnishings. Nope. That's, there's no, and you don't get your money back out of it. So it's just, what's your return on these? Yeah. So, and what are you going to do? Go to, liquidate a liquidation sale put on facebook marketplace that's the thing you know and so i'm always looking at like what's my if i can finance everything i can't finance the furniture we just did um shit we got 90 some permits from the city um i just started yeah Yeah. just in case right just in case and if they grandfather them i'm like hey at least these are grandfathered in but we've got 25 of these things now and being able to come up you know it's like 10 15 grand a year Bank ain't financing that for you. You got to come up all the stuff out of pocket. Then the other thing that I don't like necessarily about I'm already figuring out. One of the cool things with rentals is you collect rent and then you pay your mortgage, your taxes, your insurance, your payroll and all that stuff. So you get revenue to then pay it out. You don't get revenue to pay it. You have to have the operating capital there to pay all these things because you're getting revenue spread out through the month. So um, that's another thing that I, Go ahead. No, I was just saying that's another thing. And again, I'm new to this whole, you know, uh-huh. Airbnb short term rental stuff, but that was another thing I found real quick. Like this is something that people aren't thinking about. The what what we did and what our plan is is um we put a second on everything, right? Like so whenever we're raising the capital, that capital is just locked in and then like we have it as that second position mortgage. And we know that if we buy all the furniture and everything else, we can still cash flow regularly with that mortgage in place that covered all of that furnishing right so whatever the rehab cost is like we just bake that into it and we just say hey yeah this is the note we're paying on this regardless of what happens and so that's the way we set it up um and so that way you're not as worried about it because like you can't uh finance it you can't do anything else um one of my friends who's in utah he's acquiring at a crazy rate i think he's about like 24 creative doors in the last month out in utah and he's, raise, and he's raising capital for the Airbnbs. But the reason he can do it is he honestly should start a fund, right? But the reason he can do it is because he can acquire at such a fast rate. He's like, if, any, if anything happens, bro, we take all the furniture, we place it into something else, we can still give you your return because he can create such good returns with Airbnb. But he's, he's arbitraging like, everything. He's not buying he's these properties. He's, ar- he's doing both. No, he, he bought the, 22 doors the- creatively um, with that. But like even with his arbitrage, he can arbitrage and raise the money to do it and gives them a yield, right? And then says, okay, if anything happens, we will place you on another one. But with his other ones, he's doing the same model that we do as far as like, yeah, bro, we'll just raise the money to furnish it. So like in both ways, he's secure 
Andy's still transitioning out of, let's say, Airbnb into more like corporate housing to like offset I that you. risk. It's, and I and I, and I like that corporate housing model. I got a buddy here that does that, and he's he's on the train that he doesn't want to own anything. He's like, yeah, I just want to go in these A class apartment units because they can't fill these buildings. I go in, I have the same unit twelve times in a row that they can't rent. I just pay them regular rent, and they'll even discount it for me because I'm taking ten at a time, and I've got a track record. And then I'll furnish it, and then if it goes, but I just take the furniture. And I but that's his business, right? That's his sole exactly. business. For me, it's one little, it's one person, its own division within the conglomerate of Everything. all the other stuff that I, yeah, and yeah, I, and then other, other than that, we were talking about things breaking down, right? Um, this stuff breaks down too. The couch, the the the, the seat, you know, like you got to go in and turn these units to every three to four months. We just, uh, so I had six uh, short-term rental units with a management company. And this is what made me want to bring it in house. Um, out of the six, we were bringing in about eighteen to twenty-two grand a month in mm -hmm. gross. They were sending me a, a direct deposit for like ten Gs. They're taking forty percent of my money. And I'm like, really? okay, hire a person, boom, done. Get some scale. That's yeah. that's a no-brainer. But I walk in these units. Um, what was that? Maybe two weeks ago, destroyed. I'm talking destroyed and they had never been in there to turn them to go touch up paint or anything like that. Uh, you know, one of the basements was like, there was a water issue. They just didn't tell anybody. Um, and I was wondering why they were getting all these bad reviews, but no one's going to manage stuff the, the way that you're going to manage stuff. But no, um, but yeah, they, they just require more maintenance, you know? Exactly. So, well, and I like it cause you have to upkeep them, right? Like you have to cut upkeep them, you got to stay in front of them, whatever else. But again, hit some scale, have someone dedicated to it, and then that way you're good. This is why I see it, and it's a yeah. solid system. Uh, yeah. But where did you learn how to sell? Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, bro. What'd you, what did you say? Where did you gears? learn how to sell? Oh shit! Uh, I got a funny story for you, man. I'm gonna share it. Um, so I had no clue what sales was. And uh, I was actually, uh, I was kind of like floating from couch to couch uh, back in like 20, 2008. Um, no one was hiring at the time. Um, and I was trying to find a job. I couldn't find a job. So anyways, um, I'm over at this uh, young lady's house that I was kind of using her couch. And, uh, she had a party that night. Dude shows up to, to this party. And I ended up, uh, you know, uh, how do I say this? as PC as possible. There was no, another, there was, there, there, there was, there, there was a pretty young lady there and <laughs> she was a lot better looking than this dude. And for some reason I was able to sell her on him. And then he's like, damn, he's like, tell you what, you give me a call tomorrow or no, he said, you email me tomorrow before 5.00 AM and before five, it's Saturday night. We're going to be up till two before 5.00 AM. And you remember my name, you'll have a job next week. And that's, that's how I got my first job. And he kind of took me under his wing for like a year. And, you know, we go to the bar, we'd fucking role play. We would, uh, you know, and I just, I, the things just came out of his mouth, all the rebuttals. And we were selling personal training, by the way. So people would say, you know, I just want to go home and think about it. Well, Mrs. Jones, you know, just so I make sure I'm doing my job correctly, what are some of, some of kind of the main things we're kind of thinking about? Oh, well, I just, you know, I'm not sure. Well, you told me before that you're a 10 on the serious scale. You told me before that, you know, you're successful in your career. You're successful in your job. You're successful with your kids. We're just not a success in the gym yet. So my job, my role is to make sure that we are a success together with you in this gym. Like stuff like that, bro. And I'm just powerful. like, how do you, how do you, how do you, <laughs> like, I'm like, how do you come, how does this spew out of your mouth? Like just so fluidly and what it's repetition It's repetition. And the more that you do it and the more that you believe in it and you believe it, like I believed in my, my product, you know, we were changing people's lives, you know, people that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do it on their own. I mean, I have a personal trainer even today, like, cause I, you know, I'm like, shit, I got to hit my, that's why I'm on my workout gear. I had to hit my four, fourth workout because I got one more coming up tomorrow. But if I don't do it, then I'm held accountable to, um, to my trainer. But uh, that, that's how I learned, man. So, I, I mean, I kind of got lucky by just being at the right place, the right time, understood 
that this job was going to really, really pay dividends in the future. And I understood that this dude was really, really phenomenal at his job. And he was. Uh, and now what's cool is we're business partners uh, in a gym. Oh, that's dope. So it, it's, uh, it's funny how it comes full circle, man. Bro, I ne- I've legitimately never. I've taken like some Grant Cardone stuff, but I've never had like an actual sales trainer. I did some Steve Trang stuff. But as far as like Sandler-based selling is not as much like rebuttal selling. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause like I did like the John Martinez stuff in the real estate space, but I do think like the best sales training is transactional sales training. Cause you're getting so many reps, right? If you're selling personal training, bro, like there's a lot of reps and having to sell those, right? Like every day, like you're going to go out there and try and sell 20 of them. I never had an opportunity to do something like that, which I think that's like where you can really get down the basics of everything you're trying to like, and it's hammered in cause you're having so many conversations. Yeah, and uh, and the way that that sale worked is you would get five sets a day, and you'd have to go make them. You'd have to go talk to people on the floor, so you have to prospect, get someone to make an appointment with you. Then you know that three of them are going to show up, and if you're good enough salesman, you're going to close one of them. So, and then um, you, our average deal size is about fifteen hundred bucks. We were making you know ten to twelve percent commissions on that. You know, if you do uh, enough in two weeks, that's twenty. That's twenty grand, which is typically what I hit. So 20 grand, there's your five, six K a month. And for me back then, that was like, that was amazing. I'm like, I don't care how, how long I got to work. I'll be here at five. I won't leave till 10, 11. Like I'm good. Um, but you know, it's a very emotional sale for sure. Very emotional, uh, very energetic sale. Whereas, you know, houses is kind of the same thing. It really is. Cause it's an emotional thing. It's an emotional it's investment. Emotional Even small landlords it's emotional for them because man i bought this house in 1988 you know like we we've owned this thing since 88 we put that roof on we you know we we fixed that door last year you know you know people people get about their properties they get emotional about them um and so for most people i mean you do have your accountants and your engineers and you know your very mathematical people that are all pros cons you know dollar cents and okay great and they move on but and for the most part, you know, people get emotional about this real estate stuff. And that's where we come in and we have to figure and tap into those emotions. But also too, realize that we're going to create a win-win for them once they exit that, that property. Uh, bro, you, did you take any of like the Hormozy stuff to scale pros, Jim? Like no, you know what? I, I, I haven't, man. I haven't. Um, so we, uh, so I, so I just bought the building. Uh, about three months ago, I actually just got off it the bank. Went doing, yeah, finally went through. Um, so the the gym itself is twenty five thousand square feet, smack dab in the middle of downtown, and then I've got an additional uh, like ten thousand square feet above that that I'm converting. Uh, I can't say exactly what, but it's it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, but I'm, I'm waiting on the LOI, so I can't 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 say yet. Um, don't want to jinx it, but uh, but. But yeah, man, so I've been a, a part owner in that gym since 2015. So the original mentor who I was telling you, the sales guy, mm-hmm. he needed money um, to be able to buy this gym. And he's like, man, we're, we're tapped and I, I've got nowhere else to go. I'm like, I have like 50 grand in my account. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm going to give you 30. I'm like, all right, you know what? If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. So boom, here you go. So that was like the first 30 grand I invested into the gym. Um, and that was 20... 15 and since then you know obviously i've invested a, a hell of a lot more but um you know the the gym itself the, going back to um uh 2020 when we had covid we so we we have the arnold classic right so the arnold classic mm-hmm. in columbus ohio is the biggest event that we have besides Ohio state football what's cool with our gym is it's literally right next door to the arnold classic so we get so ronnie coleman he, he's in there um he'll come in and he's like he signed my daughter's shirts um, you know, we were eating Chick-fil-A together, went out to lunch a couple times. Like, um, so you meet all the, all these great people and what do people want to do? They want to be there to see all these pros. Um, exactly. so we do, we do two to three months worth of revenue in three to four days, every Arnold. So as we would lose money, we would use the Arnold to be able to catch back up. And then now that, you know, we've built the business to some degree, uh, we just haven't been able to renovate the building. So the landlord would not. I mean, we, we were about heat in the wintertime. We're about air. I mean, they just, they treat us like dogs in a cage, man. You know, like a Rottweiler's just out back in the backyard, just sweating in the sun. Um, yeah, man. And so, 
but you know, there's nothing we could do either because we're trying to build this business and uh, build up the, the client base. So now we're undergoing this massive rebrand effort, this massive renovation effort. Um, you know, uh, just I'm basically taking all the stuff in the real estate and the fitness industry that I have, all the old stuff, and then using it back in the gym. And then also too, what's cool is that you know now I'm 50% partner in this thing, um, in the uh, in the gym, and then I own 100% of the building. Um, so yeah, I, I'm super excited about it, man. It's it. I'm, I'm excited about the brand. Uh, you, I'm actually going to show you next week. We just got our branding and marketing package back, uh, which was not cheap, and it just it looks super classic. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I'm just if you can't tell, I'm I'm kind of stoked about it. No, I'm stoked about it for you. And um, I won't jinx the other thing. You, um, I'll talk to you about it afterwards. I, I think everything you have going on with that is dope as fuck. Honestly, I, I think appreciate it's be it, huge. Man. When you when uh, you gonna come to Columbus? You gonna come for the Arnold? Bro, when am I gonna come to Columbus? I don't, I've never even been to Columbus. You gotta come for the Arnold, man. You gotta. Do you come guys for have, the Arnold. Where are the Browns? Do you guys have a football team there? Uh, so Columbus, you got, uh, you got Cleveland, which is two and a half hours. You got Cincinnati, which is two hours and Pittsburgh, which is three hours and Indianapolis, which is three hours. So you typically, you're, it's like a third, a third, a third. So like I'm a Steelers fan because growing up they were good and the Browns suck and the Bengals suck. So I wanted to pick the good team. Um, and then everyone's a Buckeyes fan. It, Ohio state football is the number one thing here. Is Ohio state in Columbus? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'll come next fall. We'll go to a Ohio State game because that, that's dope. There we go. There we go. And then uh, my, my, my house is about five minutes away from campus. So, really? Yeah. So it's, yeah, you can actually, you can kind of hear games. And, um, bro, it looks pretty out there. I'm surprised the sun's still up. What time is it for you? Dude, that's why, that's why I'm outside. Uh, what is it? Yeah, 515. Um, yeah. So I just, I just built this. Well, I didn't build it, but I just got this patio built. And uh, it's still nice outside. I got some TVs hanging up outside. Um, yeah, so if it's if it's nice in Columbus, Ohio in the fall, you're outside. Someone said, "My man, I might have to come by. I don't know who that is. We can't see. Um, but they said they might have to come by. Drop your name for me. Um, so we got that. Bro, how did you become a bank extraordinaire? And by the way, you crushed it at DM's event talking about the banks. I, got, I told uh, you bro. that. But I thought you crushed it. How'd you become a Thank bank you, extraordinaire? Because like that whole presentation is like, oh fuck, bro. And that it was legit. I appreciate that actually a lot, especially coming from you. Um, man, I, I think so back in back in like 20, and again, going back to like 2011, 2012, 2013, there was all these deals, but there was no money. Hard money wasn't even like a thing. If you found hard money, they'd be like, Yeah, we'll do one or two deals, but we can only do two deals at a time. So there was no scale with hard money. There wasn't these national hard money lenders. Um, I, I didn't know anybody with money. Um, so private money was kind of out, but in order to own rental properties, you got to get long-term financing. So I started going, like I went to chase like, eh, no, we can only do four. And then everyone would do these Freddie and Fannie loans. And then I heard something about these portfolio lenders. I'm like, well, what's a portfolio lender, you know? Um, and what I realized is these smaller banks, would rather collect interest off of these loans long-term as opposed to selling them back to Freddie and Fannie. So they kind of wrote their own rules. When I realized that, I was like, like the rates were higher. They were on 20 years instead of 25 or instead of 30, which that I thought that that sucked at the time. Cause I was like, Oh man, that's, that's an extra $75 a month cash flow. But when you get on a 20 or 25 as opposed to a 30 and you hang on to it for five years, you're like, damn, I just paid down all that debt. And then you can go back and re-leverage it. And use the property again but i think for me man like it was I, I had to find money and when i figured out that these smaller local community banks were in the business of doing business with small with other small businesses it was like it, i i just I, I understood it i got it and then i also understood that banks in the in the metro that i'm in which is columbus would not do smaller real estate deals but these smaller banks in these farm communities, you know, these towns that kind of surround Columbus, mm -hmm. they had to get into Columbus to do business because their town sucks. So they're trying to get into the major metro and they need people like me to be able to, and they have to take higher risk in order to try to compete with these bigger banks. So I, I think it was just out of necessity, man. I wanted to build a rental portfolio. I wanted to be able to have freedom, options, all those things. And I knew that flipping properties wasn't it. Like, 
I mean, back then you were making 10 to 15 grand a flip. It's like, do all this work to make 10, 15 grand? Makes no sense. You're going to make 10 to 15 grand off the, off the cash flow on rent alone. Exactly. Like, why would I, like, why would I give this thing up and pay taxes and do all these? Nah. So I just, I don't know. I understood rentals quickly. I understood very quickly how to get long-term financing. And I, I don't know, just when I figured out the portfolio lender thing, that was like, that was the eye opener for me. Portfolio lenders. And then bro, do you, have you offered up like a course on that shit yet? I think that one's that. Dude, I got to do it. You I got to do it. Um, I have been dragging my feet on that. Um, I'll commit right now that I'll put it together before the end of the year. Hell yeah. Bro, you I'm committing like it's right powerful, now. bro. Like, I mean, because that shit, everybody struggles with it. Everybody's fucking afraid of banks. And everybody who's building a portfolio comes to that point as well. To where, like, what do I do next? Everybody's like, well, you can't get more than four loans. Like, what about fucking... Someone owns more than four houses, I promise you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, <laughs> right? I'm like... I mean, I remember the first portfolio loan I got. I did uh, my first house was the FHA house hack. The next house uh, was a Freddie loan. The next house was a uh, was a Freddie loan. Then I did a temper. There was a program for condos at ten percent down back then. So I bought a single family condo for like forty five grand. Shit's worth like two fifty now, um, but for ten percent down. And then I started. I'm like, man what's up with these portfolio loans? And then the next one I got, um, you know, I, I think I paid like 66,000 for it or something like that. And, uh, it was on a 20 year note. And then there was these adjustable rate mortgages, right? Cause I was fixed on these first like four or five. And then the uh, adjustable rate mortgage, like, I'm like, man, everyone told me to stay away from these things. You know, what, what's going to happen in five years? Like, and then once I got that loan, I'm like, Oh, they're going to, we'll do as many as I want. Or as many as you know, I can lever up with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely going to do that. I'm like, dude, if I own 50 of these things, I can figure out rate rate heights in five years. And rates actually went down from 20. I mean, my first houses were at six percent, six and a half percent. So I, I mean, I was, I'm used to those rates. I'm used yeah. to that. Whereas most people are like, man, six percent, six and a half percent. They can't even fathom it right now. I mean, to me, I just don't get it because deals are deals. Deals are deals, bro. They don't all have to be at 1% like you. <laughs> but <laughs> but if, it, if, it, if it works, if it cash, I used to have this saying, if it cash flows, fuck it. Bro, but, if it cash flows, fuck it. Like, if it fits your criteria, <laughs> the deal gets done, let's keep on trucking. I mean, it's easy to saying, say. Man. I, and there's, and you know, there's different deals too. I mean, you know, another thing that I like to personally do, I call it uh, being in a path of progress. Um, this is a this is yeah. a gold gem for everyone listening and paying attention. So, you know, you might go into these neighborhoods that um, maybe weren't so, like there's an area where I grew up, um, and it, they were like twenty thousand dollars in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, ten. Uh, do, you, do you do you know Tommy Har? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. So he just bought a house uh, for about a uh, hundred times that. And uh, was that a hundred or is that ten? It was, a, it, it was a lot. That's a. That's a no, no, that, no. It was like it was like three fifty. Okay. So, um, one trying to throw his business out there, but I'm just like, holy shit. So, like in some of these neighborhoods, if you can get a get a property, and you don't want all your properties to be old and like this, yeah. but if again, you you got to play the appreciation game to some degree too in the single family game. They can't all be three bedroom, two bath boxes because those things don't appreciate as much in value as something that's going to be in the path of progress, which are generally older homes, um, you know, neighborhoods that are on the up and up. You know, coffee shop just goes in. You know, someone's doing art murals on an old brick building. You know, those are places you want to be, but give it a three to four or five year time horizon. Do cost segregation on that property because you're going to have enough money into it because these are usually bigger rehabs. And just hang on to it for three to four or five years, see what happens. And I've made a lot of money doing that. A lot of money. And then you pass did, it did off you to make someone. A killing who's gonna, oh. with refinances over the last couple of years? Or did you um, keep uh, it? In? No, nah, man, I've, I've refinanced pretty much everything. I've got three loan, three or four 
uh, big blanket loans that I haven't refinanced. Okay. And the reason is, is because um, I'm selling, pre- I, I mean, they're like, I got one loan at like 30 some percent. So anything I want to sell out of that blanket, I can just sell it and I can release it free and clear. So, okay. so it's like, hey, I can refinance it, pay all the higher interest, but I want to be able to leave equity into my, in my portfolio too. And especially if you got a loan that has a lot of equity and you can sliver some things out. So if you got a property, it's worth just throwing out numbers, 200 grand. And the bank's like, yeah, you can, you can go ahead and sell this. And you know, our loan to value is good. So you can just release it free and, you know, you get, you don't notice anything. Great. That gives you, uh, gives you some level of liquidity, right? Yeah. So um, instead of having it all now and paying interest on it, it gives me an option to sell it later. So, and it makes your balance sheet look better when you higher net worth. I, mean, I don't need to yank the, if you don't need to yank the money, like you, I mean, and you have some options of to be mm-hmm. able to have some liquidity. I think that's important too. When did you really start to hit scale? Like when, when you're like, Oh wow. Like I actually, like I started to make money. Oh man. Um, shit. I think so. 2013 was a big year. I had 16 units. I bought 16 in one day, left my job. So I had 32. I bought another like seven that year because I was still using my income from my W-2 to be mm-hmm. able to help qualify. So I got up to, I think like, I don't know, 38, maybe 40 units that year. So that, that was a, that was cool. Then I had to pick up a ma- full-time maintenance person. Um, that was kind of the first jump. 2016 was a jump. I bought a 36 unit, a 16 unit, uh, a 10 unit, and then I bought my office building, which I, mean, I paid like 225 for it. It's probably worth one three, one four now. Um, I mean, I bought a lot of units that year, but and, oh, and I bought a big ass house in the middle of downtown as well. Um, that, but having all that that year, um, you you can ask anybody. 2017 was a rough year for me. Just there was too much growth. I was trying to do too much. I was investing in other businesses too. Um, okay. Got greedy, got arrogant. Hey man, you know, oh, this is, you know, this is easy. I, you know, just, it, it was, it was not a good place to be. And then, you know, 2017 was rough. It was really rough and uh, it almost sunk me for sure. How did so you you got to be a uh, cash out refi. <laughs> Several of them. <laughs> I, I swear, man. Uh, found one bank to believe in me, and uh, you know, I just I ha- I was equity rich and cash poor, you know, taking on yep. too much and not letting yep. the money flow in and back out of these properties, all at the right time. So, and when once you get all your money stuck in properties and you have no liquidity and you try to go to the bank to get a loan, you're like, oh well, you need the, you need the cash. We don't want to give it to you. Exactly. You go to the bank and you got cash. You're like, yeah, how much do you need? Oh yeah, 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 no problem. Yeah, I'll get the signature for you. No problem. Uh, but yeah, that was, was uh, that, 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 those, those are two years. Um, but, so this is something that I, I think is important for uh, people to know, too, is when when the world gets bad, you're going to find better deals on market than you will off market. Because someone's selling something off market. There's a reason there's not putting it on the market when there's a slew of properties that are on the market, like right now, like mm-hmm. there's deals on the market, like we're buying deals on the market right now. Um, like the, the uh, first couple seller finance deals, this is literally VA throwing out blanket offers. Hey, if you're interested in cash price, seller finance price, boom. And then, um, you know, we're getting seller finance deals that way. So I, I think the on-market stuff when the world gets bad, because people are willing to negotiate, it's been sitting on the market, you know, 90 days, expired listings, all those things. Uh, that's just going to come back, you know. Um but, uh, but yeah, back then it was, it was on market. It was, I would make a point to call 10 realtors a day. And I just wanted to know what was coming up. If you had anything. And I was trying to get what, what worked well for me was trying to get the chatty Kathy on the phone. So you get someone that's chatty Kathy, talk to them. Now we're best friends. Now she's out there working to actively find me that deal, that diamond in the rough or say, Hey, or, or someone that's, um, that needs the paycheck. Realtors are supposed to act on their client's best interest, but I mean, if they need a paycheck, they're going to try to make that deal work, right? Yep. So um, that that was that was my big strategy before I really had a team because I didn't have a team until like 2017, 2018. Okay. And then that's when we started doing marketing, direct mail, cold calling, all that stuff. I think now I love cold calling. I think it's a great marketing strategy. 
because it never gets old. It's just it's consistent. You can you can bank on it. You know that you plug X in, you're getting Y back. Exactly. It's not like PPC or you know or, or something else. And I, I like consistency, man. I want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, well, I, they all have it about, their what, place, right? Someone who wants to yeah. like a hands off business, I'll be like, bro, go pay someone to run ads for you, and then just buy all PPC, right? I mean, if like it depends on what you want to do. Cold calling, you're a little bit more labor intensive. It's less it's less expensive, but you still got to put systems in place for it, right? And then things change, things pivot. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I think so. Uh, the the power. I mean, just us sitting here talking like this. Social media, the power of the internet. There. Uh, what was it? In twenty twenty one, I got thirty percent of my deal flow off one way, shape, or form on social media. What and my cost per deal goes down like this, and it's free. Yeah, exactly. you, you got to take your phone out. You got to go like this and you got to do these things. But there's power in relationships and people getting to know you, know your story and want to do business with you. So I, I think it's important to create that network for anybody. And then, you know, it's like, hey, I passed you this deal. Pass me this deal. Because this whole business is who needs what when anyway. Like yep. If I need I need a deal now, I need money now. Someone needs something. And you just figure it out. Well, people do not want to hear me when i say you need to do more social media like like how do i get started in real estate i'm like i guarantee you someone just died in your network like if you were at least posting about that you were buying houses you could help them out and buy a probate house especially you older people because they're still on that bitch like they act like they're not on social media they're on social media (laughs) bro they're on facebook constantly bro they're They're on on constantly yeah man i mean like my my parents are uh my my dad finally got hit to facebook uh, but my mom, she's like, she's she's on it now. Oh, let me tell you this: my mom discovered TikTok, bro. She's like, right. yeah, I saw you in that video in the red shirt, and they they were saying all types of mean things about you, and you know, I I don't know if you should. I'm like, mom, that was an impromptu thing with me, Austin, and Tim Bratz. Like, like it, you know, I didn't even know like how that was going to turn out, but it, it went viral. And oh yeah, you know, it, it is what it, it is. What it is. Were you bald? Was your head shaved in that one? Were you? Were you? It was not shaved. One? I was not. Still got hair, bro. I, I mean, was not bald. Like, half of the qualifications to get into the DM fam is you have to be bald. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm. Hey, <laughs> that's so hilarious, man, dude. I, I swear, I'm. I'm literally gonna. I'm getting my my. Uh, I'm getting my hair done. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been putting it off. I've been putting it off. I mean, I I don't give a shit. I you know it's something that I want. I want some long flowing Cuban drug lord looking hair. I want to yes. I want to wear my gold chain like you and let my <laughs> let my taco meat pop out. You know what I mean? Like I, trying to be like you young guys, man. Hey, bro. I mean, you'd never know Mark's bald, right? Because he's got that fucking fedora on. But did you see my last post from our mastermind when we were in Ohio? Uh, I see it, bro. I go across the room and it was like Austin, Keith, and like there was like eight bald people in a row, and then everybody <laughs> else. Like they were like all in a I got so hey, many comments what? back. Like, what are the prerequisites to being there, dude? Like, you got to be bald. What well, is hey, a clan? Want to want to make want to make money and stress the hell out for the rest of your life? Just look at these guys. Just they're gonna show you the way. <laughs> hilarious. Where can uh, people find out more about you, bro? Oh man, hit me up on Instagram at Terry Sums. Hit me up on TikTok at Terry at Terry Sums. You can hit me up on Facebook too if that's your thing. Terry Summers. I'm the only Terry with an A that you'll ever find. It's T A R R Y Summers. And I just started a podcast show. Uh, we've done our first 12 episodes called the Let's Be Honest Show, where we talk about real estate, business, and lifestyle, and everything in between. Please go to YouTube. Watch it. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hell yeah! Talk about your mastermind too. You still got that going on? Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, we have two actually. So we have the Monopoly Mastermind, where we basically lift the skirt up on our business and we tailor it towards the twelve people that are in that mastermind. So you know, most people will have a curriculum. I don't do a curriculum because I want to figure out what each business owner needs, and yep. then I take the whole entire two days and I say, hey, we're scratching this out because. None of you guys you need to you. need to know about this. Hey, we're going to focus more on property management because you 
you've got property and you're, you guys are trying to figure this out. So that's, that's one of the things we do there. And then uh, I have a community called the Scalers Only Community where I get on a call every Wednesday at four o'clock and uh, we, we talk real estate, we talk business and uh, we dive into people's issues or problems, uh, how we can solve their, uh, solve their, their, their business issues, not their personal stuff, but you know, sometimes we, we dig into personal, but, uh, but yeah. And then uh, we have a discord chat as well, where you get to ask all your questions in real time. Literally it's two ninety seven a month. Uh, there's, uh, I think 52 people in there in there right now. I don't really market it or promote it much because I want the right people in there. My whole purpose for doing it is to be able to have partners in the future um, yep. and people I can know, like, and trust and do business with in the future. So, yeah, man. Hell yeah. Any parting words, bro? Dude, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, you were, uh, yeah, just thank you for having me on. Uh, you're amazing. And uh, for anyone that is uh, listening or paying attention, uh, don't try to be the hero these days. Work your ass off, you know, learn, cut some expenses, increase your income, learn how to sell. And uh, don't just try to make it through these times, you know, thrive through these times. It'll make you better. Exactly. exactly. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, bro. It means hey. a ton. Appreciate you, my man. Of course. And for you guys, we have the winning mastermind coming up on November 10th and 11th. Can't wait to see you guys there. Um, then we do have our big event. We're flying out Pace and Jamil and Henry Washington on November 19th. We should get over 700 people there. Um, both of them. Send me a message on Instagram. I'd love to talk to you. Please go give us a five-star review. Go hit up T-Sums. He's a wealth of knowledge. And I can't wait to talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Winning Move Podcast. I hope it helps you make all the right moves in your life and business. Please make sure to go like and subscribe on any podcast platform that you're listening to. And make sure to go follow me on Instagram at Strat Daddy. Thank you guys so much.